Ant-Man and the Wasp are back to fight Kang in the kickoff to Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 5, and I've got my review right now. This video is brought to you by Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code MERL for a special offer and stay tuned after this review for more info. Hello everybody, I'm Dan Merle here with my thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which is the big kickoff for Phase 5 of the MCU. This will not be a spoiler review. I won't be talking about anything that you haven't seen already in trailers and other things, but if it has been in a trailer, if a character, for example, appeared in a trailer, then they're fair game for me to at least mention in this review. So if you want to go completely spoiler-free, then I would suggest avoiding everything that you've seen about this movie already. This is the third Ant-Man and the Wasp film, although this is much more about the advancement of the MCU than really any of these characters. And also having the Wasp in the title, I think it's just a carryover from the last movie. It seemed kind of mean to get rid of the Wasp. Because sadly for Evangeline Lilly fans, I don't think there's a whole lot of time to do much more with Wasp than what we've already seen. If anything, it would be Ant-Man and Cassie if you were talking about importance of characters in this movie and who we see more. But regardless, it's the third film in this series, but more importantly, the 31st film in the MCU. Peyton Reed returns to direct this third Ant Man film with a script from Emmy winning Rick and Morty writer Jeff Loveness in his first feature screenplay. Scott Lang, as I mentioned, is back, played by Paul Rudd. Evangeline Lilly returns as Wasp, and Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer return as Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne. Catherine Newton takes over the role of Scott's daughter Cassie, aged up due to the events in The Snap and The Blip. And because she's a young character in a Marvel movie, she has taken up an interest in science and superheroing. We just need a map. And then we can study and explore the entire quantum realm. Your daughter built a subatomic Hubble telescope in a basement. Of course, all of our characters eventually end up getting sucked into the quantum realm, the source of the quantumania from the title, which is now the domain of the MCU's newest big bad, or is it big bads, Kang, played by Jonathan Majors for the first time in this iteration. You're an Avenger. Have I killed you before? What? They all blur together after a while. I was going to launch into more of a summary about the plot, but when I was thinking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, it kind of reminds me of a riff on the old vaudeville joke. What's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania about? I'd say about $200 million. We long ago passed the point where most MCU films are movies unto themselves. They are serving a higher purpose. These aren't movies about seven people anymore. They're movies about 7,000 people. These are movies about massive battles that crescendo in the third act with the fate of humanity hanging by a thread. We are a long way from the MCU's humble origins when Thor and Loki fighting on the Bifrost was an acceptable climax, or Iron Man could just fight one other Iron Man. But it is pretty telling that in a movie with a digital cast of thousands, thousands or hundreds of thousands, for me the most compelling parts of this film by far were when you just put the main hero of the film Ant-Man and the main villain of the film Kang in a room together and let them talk. Kang, as played by Jonathan Majors, is easily the most interesting part of the film, and it's because he brings a gravity to this character that's missing from a lot of the weightless antics of the rest of the movie. From the first second that Jonathan Majors walks on screen, he is relentlessly compelling, shaped by experiences, some of which he lets us know about, some of which are, I'm sure, cryptic clues to be solved in future Marvel films. Regardless of what you think about the rest of the film, it's going to be hard not to get excited, I think, if you're a Marvel fan, 
by Jonathan Majors in this movie. I know a lot of people were already excited based on what we saw of him in Loki. We get even more of that in a different version. This is Kang the Conqueror. This is the big guy that the MCU wants you to buy into. And there's so much potential that we get a little bit of a hint of for the future of what Kang is going to do in the MCU. But because this is a big budget Marvel film, we also have to get side characters like Jintora, a freedom fighter, played by Katie O'Brien, Krylar, a mobster type in the quantum realm, played by Bill Murray, a notable addition to the MCU, and Modok, the fan favorite Marvel character with a twist. Modok makes the biggest impression of those three characters in the movie, but they're all three really in service of just escalating things and setting up big action set pieces because I think that's what Marvel thinks audiences want. And of course, there are plenty of audience members who are just looking for that. But this is not our first rodeo either. And I wonder how many people are perhaps craving more of the character work like we see from Jonathan Majors and less of the characters like the side characters played in this movie. So many of these characters exist in Quantumania solely to play into the bigger picture. And that's really what Quantumania is here to do. It's to play into the bigger picture of the MCU. And this isn't anything new. Marvel movies have been this way for a while. You could argue all the way back to Avengers Age of Ultron or earlier, but even some of the set uppiest Marvel films, movies like Spider-Man No Way Home or Captain America Civil War or even Avengers Infinity War gave us reasons to care about these characters specifically and what happens to them on a personal level. I largely didn't care about any of that here. Quantumania feels like reading the prologue of a book that you're reading in order to understand the rest of what happens in the book. But as happens with some prologues, I started wondering, was this even necessary? How much information in this movie is really needed that's critical for the MCU going forward? We're not going to know that for a while, but I have my doubts. It's interesting that the MCU is playing with things like time and the multiverse right now because Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania exists in a very unique space at the moment. It feels like it doesn't fit into this time. It feels like it only fits as movie cog number 31, which doesn't fully function without movie cog number 32 and perhaps TV cog number 9. Like we're not meant to grasp this movie's full meaning because it won't be revealed for another two years. And a lot of people would say, well, yeah, duh, Dan, that's how these Marvel movies work. But is it how they should work? Because I do think it's possible to tell a small piece of a bigger story and make that piece interesting and compelling on its own. And I think that there are some middle pieces in the Marvel Universe where this is not the case, where you don't have to understand where the story's been and where it's going to get the full effect of the film. This is not one of those movies. There's a certain amount of setup and a certain amount of open-endedness that's intriguing, but it was a little bit too much for me in this movie, and yet I can't really say that I disliked it either. It feels more complete and structured than Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It has way more focus and better effects than Thor Love and Thunder, and it feels a lot less cookie-cutter than Black Widow. I liked the parts that I liked, and I was pretty ambivalent about the rest, so I, I guess that's a net positive. Maybe after 15 years, 31 movies, 8 shows and counting, some of the MCU magic is just gone for me. And listen, I understand that it is a tricky balance. For example, some of my other reviews when I've talked about the films, I've been saying like, well, the Marvel Universe doesn't know where it's going. What is this in service of? This is very much in service of the Marvel Universe. And here I am saying that it feels like a centerpiece and it's too much in service of something else. I understand it is a tricky balance. And that's why I operate in areas that are beyond love 
and hate. That's why I'm in the middle of this movie listing positive because I understand that it's very hard to do this exactly right and very few movies, very few franchises, very few producers, even the supercomputer of Kevin Feige could do all this properly. So perhaps in a couple years when the Kang Dynasty comes out and I see where everything's going, then I will be able to appreciate more of this movie. But today, sitting right here, I guess you might be able to call this a placeholder review, I can only judge what's in front of me. And I will say that you have a very talented cast. They know how to play their characters well. There are some laughs in the movie that worked for me. There were some laughs that didn't work for me. I thought the visual aesthetic of the movie was very beautiful. I loved the effects, and I've loved the effects really in all of these Ant-Man films so far. But it is also very broad. Oddly marvel for lack of a better word, and it is also very much not about this movie, but about the next five movies. If that's something you don't mind, then you'll probably like this movie a lot. If it's something that bothers you, I think you'll probably still like this movie, but kind of walk out going like, eh, I guess we'll see. So there you go, a very hazy, complex rendering of opinion on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Just what the internet loves. What do you think? Are you ready to throw all this hooey out the window and judge for yourself? Let me know down in the comments below. And before we go, I want to thank the sponsor for this review, Stamps.com. It's hard to believe, but we're already in mid-February. Time really does fly, and if you're a small business owner or you're working independently like me, planning is everything. And if you ship anything at all for work or leisure, it's time to level up your efficiency with Stamps.com. Stamps.com lets you print your own postage and shipping labels right from your home or office. It's ready to go in minutes, and you can get back to work. I don't know if you noticed, but postage rates just increased again along with everything else. Luckily, Stamps.com has the best discounts in the industry with rates you literally can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. All you need to work with Stamps.com is a computer and printer. They even send you a free scale, so you'll have everything you need to get things started. And if you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MERLE for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code MURL, M-U-R-R-E-L-L. Thanks to Stamps.com for sponsoring this video, and thank you for watching. I'll be back either later today or tomorrow morning with Charts with Dan, which is usually in this spot. I have to get on a plane in a few hours, so I'm not sure when I'll be able to get that show wrapped up, but you will have it soon. And stay tuned right here on the channel for more movie reviews, box office, Oscar stuff, awards, you name it, we're covering it all right here. Until next time, thanks for watching, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.